This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hey, this is Jedi Master Rob LaBerry, host of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, and you're listening to... Wait, hold on, hold on one second. What the force? Hey, hey, aren't you Dr. Sonny Ravencourt of the University of Coruscant? Nope. No, you absolutely are. I recognize you. Now, you were in the archives not too long ago. I believe you were on a tour, a guided tour. Uh... Look, here's the deal. This temple is not open to outsiders without escort. So you're going to just have to move right along or I'm going to have to get Jedi Temple security. Oh, come on. I can't get this kind of information at the University of Coruscant. Look at this transcription. This Jedi was murdered. All right. Uh, that That's it. We're not going to have this conversation. Padawan, please go get the temple guards. Oh, I really don't think you need to call Jedi secure. Okay, here they come. I got to go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Goodbye, Dr. Ravencourt. All right, all right sorry about that. Uh, where was I? Oh, right. And you're listening to Conversations Podcast with Pat and Charles. Hello there. Rancho Obi-Wan, the Guinness World Records certified largest Star Wars memorabilia collection. Located in Petaluma, California, featuring the collection of super collector, author, and Star Wars fan ambassador Steve Sansweet. The most powerful Jedi ever. Visit RanchoObiWan.org and subscribe to the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum. A fun, authentic fan experience. Featuring rare photos, videos, Steve Sansweet Q&As, virtual tours of the museum, exclusive behind the scenes stories and information and so much more plus your subscription helps ensure the future of the museum it's the rancho obi-wan virtual museum subscribe now at ranchoobiwan.org get tons of cool perks information and history of star wars collecting from the man who knows it best steve sansui while contributing to the preservation of the world's largest star wars memorabilia collection ranchoobiwan.org <laughs> So before we jump into today's episode, we both are pretty avid collectors of Star Wars merchandise, mainly t-shirts and Black Series figures, so we get it. We understand collecting. However, Rancho Obi-Wan is where it's at, and they have an amazing collection, and uh, it's a museum that is in California, and they are completely subscriber-funded and outstanding. The Guinness record holders of collecting. So, they, we get it. They've got some interesting new opportunities now with the quarantine for uh, everyone to be a part of. Right. You know who else gets it? Local schools, charities, they all get it. Rancho Obi-Wan provides tours and access to the museum for free for them. They are a not-for-profit corporation, and they deserve our support. Check out their virtual opportunities and become a member today. Conversations It's a translation To a Star Wars nation It's a celebration Hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is... Episode 32, Corellia. Known galaxy-wide for its expertise in shipbuilding, 
This core world has become a bustling world for manufacturing in the Galactic Republic. The resources and skill of those on Corellia made it a perfect tool for the Empire. Corellia! <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, usually I don't give it away in the first word of right. the intro, but it just felt right. It does. <laughs> I mean, it felt like, you know, we had to start it off with the dead speak or something. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. I mean, it's like uh, <laughs> Corellia. I mean, it was three syllables. It's very, it's uh, it's melodic. It's something you just want to yes, say. Yes, it almost rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a song, um, like Phil Collins' studio, but it's, it's Corellia. You know, it's like, yeah, there's a yeah. planet that's been on my mind. All yeah. the time, C- Corellia. Do, 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 do. No. <laughs> <laughs> See, I went more with like Prince, like Little Red Corellia. Oh, there you go. Baby, you're much too fast. No? <laughs> All right. I don't know. How bless the rains in Corellia. <laughs> so ridiculous. We're a musical show now. And uh, that's what we do. Well, it's terrible parodies yes. of wonderful songs. <laughs> exactly. And people are just waiting for their wives to get back and give them a good show. Yes. <laughs> when are the good ones coming? <laughs> this is uh, a joke, right? Are they coming on soon? <laughs> <laughs> Special guests are. Um, yeah, so Corellia. Yes. Fascinating we, um, planet. This is, this is our, our second planet. Yes. Right? Yes. We only, we only did, um, um, how, how is it pronounced again? Coruscant, huh? Yes, huh? that's the one. You got it. Yeah, well, I've been uh, practicing. I've been practicing. Yes, yes, you have. Um, yeah, uh, with, uh, I think, both of our appreciation for Han Solo. Yes. We wanted to get into his home world. So right. I think that's our, our first uh, first piece is that's, that's where Han's from. Right. And if anybody saw Solo, you'd know that. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen Solo, watch Solo. Because it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> yes. And now that the uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League is uh, making its... Um, oh, yes. You know, uh, is, is gaining traction and uh, it going to happen. Um, now the uh, Make Solo 2 Happen crowd is uh, reassembling yes to make solo too <laughs> yes and that was a big day yesterday actually the 25th that was a very big uh, movement day for that on uh, social media for for I'm make sorry solo may 25th two. yes oh yeah that's mm-hmm. the day that two star wars films were released mhm correct yes mhm do you do you know which two well uh, a new hope yes and and <laughs> and wasn't solo released on my on no Day? no it was <laughs> which one? well what was it return of the jedi oh wow <laughs> that's why i suck at trivia everyone knows that that's all right yeah i just I just one of us got it right i just learned how the to one say... that doesn't participate in trivia <laughs> exactly oh. <laughs> sorry just... red five network yeah next time don't worry <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I'm always busy. Um, yeah, so that's where Han was from, yes. and um, it was interesting because I, I don't know that we necessarily knew a lot about Corelli except from Legends ahead of Solo. 
and certainly hadn't seen it on screen. No. Until Solo. Correct. Which was really very cool because, um, you know, as it opens, you see like all this, it's like a shipyard. It's the manufacturing plants, um, you know, constructing these, these ships. And at this point in the story, if you haven't seen Solo, we'll wait. Okay, so um, I mean, it, 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 we we assume they press pause. Uh, if they didn't, whoops. So um, you see, like star destroyers and stuff being built. Yes, which is really very cool because it's like large scale, um, you know, vehicle manufacturing because mm -hmm. that's what they do. Right. They make right. they make vehicles, and um, I think that's part of why Han love the falcon so much right right because i mean that's that's the type of ship that was manufactured there right correct and when he sees lando's got it and he's like that's a cool ship and then he's in it and he's flying it and he's like this is a really cool ship and then he's like i'm gonna beat you at sabak or is it sabak <laughs> and um and win it so now, he does and like and we also do uh find out in solo is that Han's father worked on the line for the Y thirteen hundred series. It's a nexus for uh, shipbuilding, and that's why it's been so successful. And especially, you know, specifically the uh, Kralian Engineering Corporation, how they're the biggest and most powerful shipbuilding uh, in all the galaxy. Yeah, and um, it's neat to see how um, when it starts out with. With Hans essentially being a street rat and um, hot wiring a speeder, mm. but then being able to, you know, bank those corners in those tight streets and alleyways, and um, and kind of have those instincts that I think were cultivated just being there on this planet, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and 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 having to be able to get out of those types of scrapes and all um, to survive, you know, uh, leads to a necessity to be able to to drive a speeder or right. fly a ship yeah. and um, and do it well and evasively so that you can, you know, <laughs> get away from whoever you pissed off that day. <laughs> and in the sector that they're living in, uh, him and Kira, um, you know, obviously it was a controlled sector and they were part of the... Uh, non-elite, therefore the labor force, and uh, you know, I guess in this case, part of the um, that crime syndicate there, the uh, uh, the white worm, I think it is called. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, unless you're a laborer, you got to find uh, some sort of employment, and so, uh, you know, in the controlled zone, it's you know, to each his own, unfortunately. Yeah, it seems very um, very cutthroat, you know. Yeah. And um, and very militaristic in terms of like the patrols and things like that. Um, so it's it's not at all what I had envisioned uh, prior to seeing the film. But how great <laughs> you mentioned the crimes in the air. How great when um, Han goes in and um, has the rock and he <laughs> pretends that it's a thermal detonator. <laughs> They're like, that's a rock. That's a rock. And he's like, no, it's a detonator. <laughs> Click. He's like, yeah. I just armed it. And they're you like, made you us. made that noise with your mouth. Like, 
Like, it's so ridiculous, but yeah. I love it. Uh, well, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so uh, I think part of it, too, is is the fact that it was one of the core planets. Yeah, that's a, it, that's um, a cool point. It was close yes. to where it needed to be in terms of, uh, you know, most of the... I get the impression in Star Wars that most of the manufacturing and most of the new stuff is for the core worlds. And then, like, the mid and outer rim get, like, the hand-me-downs. Yes. Right. You know, like, right. Luke's all, like Luke's complaining. He's like, yeah, I mean, my speeder's, like, old, and there's, like, new ones out, but, uh, you know, I'll never get one of them. You know, it's like... He's like, this is what I got. It's like got mismatching parts and stuff. And 3PO's got a wrong colored leg. I mean, just the outer rim's a mess. Well, right. It's yeah. a mess. There's no such and thing. And then as... Uncle Owen's buying some bunk droids and all. It's just, it's, yeah, it's bad news. Bunk. So, yeah. <laughs> but, that's, so, but that's what I found interesting, too, is that just how close that Corellia was part of the, you know, it, sorry, in the, um, in the core. And um, now, of course, I didn't know these trade routes before, but... Um, I had no idea it was that close to Coruscant. And if you follow those two trade routes that it's sort of nestled upon, uh, the hyperspace lanes, you know, it starts at uh, Bestine, which we've heard many times before in, on, uh, in the Clone Wars. You sort of that first part of that leg, uh, which is the Corellian trade spine, then you, you hit Corellia, and then you sort of bank to the left. And at the end point of that is Coruscant. I mean, man, that is, that is centrally located. And it makes sense that at that point, too, you think about the labor pool of engineers and and uh, mechanics and and skilled labor right along those two hyperspace lanes it sort of allows for that world to thrive because it's drawing all those smart people and of course you're then building good ships and then it just sort of you know it's a circular and just feed itself in that sense right now that 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 hyperspace lane that you mentioned is that that's not the Corellian run correct yes that's right the from Corellia They're over like trade routes yeah right? yeah from Corellia to uh, Coruscant is the uh, Corellian run and the Corellian so trade there's... spine is from uh, Bestine to to sort of that mm. leg of it like it's one obviously one long hyperspace lane but they, each section sort of has a different name or whatever sure sure yeah. so there's more than just the Kessel run there are several runs um, yeah which <laughs> <laughs> Which, as uh, <laughs> didn't Rob say, the Disney runs are after a meal at Disney or something? Remember, <laughs> 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 like the only Disney runs I get, run Disney's I get. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> oh, Rob. <laughs> I know. It's such a piece of work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, with the, um, I actually have on my, uh, my shirt that I think everyone in the galaxy has the uh, the red Millennium Falcon. Well, it is awesome. T-shirt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I prefer the blue one just because I like blue better. But um, <laughs> this one has you know the Corellian Engineering Corporation on it, so right. I, I felt obligated to um, to wear this one. But um, yeah, so they were like the uh, they were like the head honcho of. Um, of building ships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they were the go-to. Yeah, I mean, among there's obviously like I think there's like two or three like huge builders in the galaxy, but they were the top spot not only for volume but also for quality and for you know quite honestly playing 
all the sides, right? They played, you know, the uh, with the Republic. They played uh, with the Empire and and the Resistance, and then the re- and the um, uh, the you know the Rebellion. They 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 provided it all, and obviously to the First Order at the end as well. Yeah, they um, you know, the, the benchmark of of quality uh, was explored thoroughly by Han. <laughs> because you could tell a ship is built well when, you know, it comes off the line and, you know, it looks nice and it's got a bar in it and like a cape closet and all this. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's high class. And then to be able to put it through the hell that Han put it through and have it still fly. Yes. That's a well-built ship. Oh. <laughs> it's going to hold it together, right, baby? <laughs> let's hope so. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a testament to just how well the uh, CEC <laughs> built their ship. Yeah, and customizable, like you said, because that was one of the big things as well, is that uh, even as their different YT lines were coming off the um, off the assembly line, they had, you know, to spur sails of one line over another one, they would sort of be able to bolt on different um, arm uh, not armaments, but um, engines so they can make one maybe sort of less quality or, or cheaper line behind as opposed to the new one. They'd sort of, you know, throw something else on to give it a little bit of oomph for sales, that kind of thing. And that was, and like even saw that uh, with Lando um, uh, customizing, putting in that, uh, the escape pod in the notch, you know, like, so, it became mm-hmm. one of those almost funny enough that you started off just before we started recording. You brought in your Lego um, Millennium Falcon. It's almost to a certain degree like the Lego Falcon. You could actually bolt things on as long as you had the pieces. It's fantastic. <laughs> That's right. There you go. <laughs> so uh, and and it has room for different shaped satellite dishes. Yes, which I think is most important. <laughs> right, because you tend to lose those. those. Yeah, yeah, that tends to be a uh, in a bad spot, I guess. <laughs> Cringeworthy moments. Yeah. Mm, well, that's not gonna last long. Oh, didn't last long. Okay. Um, not a scratch. Yeah, so, so not a scratch. Uh, you almost sounded like a villain from Indiana Jones. Not a scratch, Doctor. Jo- well, no, it was like uh, Red Skull from oh, uh, First Avenger. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not a scratch. Not a scratch. Doctor. Also from uh, Lord of the Rings. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. From many, many um, yeah. fantastic franchises, but we're using it here. Well, exactly. Um, <laughs> and for Indiana yes. Jones. Or, so, yes. so, I, you know, the Falcon itself is um, super interesting in terms of, like, the design. Because mm. evidently it's, um, it's based off a hamburger. <laughs> Those brilliant minds at CEC. <laughs> right after, you know, it's funny they come up with the design for the Falcon right after lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's like, oh well, there's an olive on the side of this hamburger. Well, that's the cockpit, obviously. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, so it's it's bizarre because like you, just based on the design, you're like this ship wouldn't be aerodynamic and fly well at all. <laughs> you know, right, right. Like it's got this big flat like open area in the front that mm-hmm. would create a tremendous amount of drag you would think well yeah leaving orbit yes yeah yeah <laughs> but you know 
Evidently, it doesn't. So <laughs> it just looks cool. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's space fantasy. It's not science fiction, so right. don't worry about it. But don't um, worry about it. Don't worry. About so it. it's it's a very <laughs> unique looking ship, and it's uh, part of why I love the Ghost from Rebels, because oh, that's a very similar sort of design, hmm. and um, also Dash Rendar's Outrider is Ooh. kind of a similar look to that. Now, before we get to Dash Rendar, we should. Talk- oh man. <laughs> We're going to get to him. What? Just now, what we're talking about here is accepted as canon, right? So there's plenty of, well, not plenty. There's a good volume of story that's now considered legends, books and comic books and everything like that, um, that aren't considered canon from Disney's perspective or the current canon line perspective. So, um, you know, Dash Rendar, uh, although skirting that line and his outrider, Still falls under the YT line of uh, of the uh, the ships, and you know we. I just want to make that delineation: is that there's what we're trying to do here is a canon approach to to uh, Corellia and what's in the movies and the books and that kind of stuff. Continue. So I like the Falcon and the Ghost. Period. <laughs> um, but no. Okay. But you brought up a great point, Dash Rendar. He um, he of course is part of the Shadows of the Empire uh, non-canon material, which um, was uh, sort of a betwixt Empire Strikes Back Ooh. and Return of the Jedi storyline, which um, was very cool. And um, he was he was one of the lead characters in that. Uh, you know, obviously the... the main trilogy characters were part of it as well. Um, but the um, there was a crime syndicate in that storyline as well that uh, Prince Zizor was a part of. Oh, that's and right. that's right. okay. in the final season of The Clone Wars, which is canon and on topic. <laughs> on limits. It's on, on limits. limits. <laughs> um, yes. Um there the syndicates are i guess having a you know social distancing uh you know uh zoom meeting i guess and um he's one of the holograms in that so it can be assumed um that since he is drug kicking and screaming into cannon so is dash rendar Right. And therefore, his his ship. <laughs> yes. Well, that's. I mean, that's what I thought was so fascinating because I I recognize the other two, of course, but um, that's what's so cool about that because I mean, that's where the power of, you know, uh, like Life Day in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. As soon as they mentioned it, the celebration itself is canon. It's it's on film, mm-hmm. and that's what's a cool. That's a cool part of it. I just I just found that really fascinating. And you know, Life Day has. Um... Several implications for the uh, franchise as well, um, dating back to the holiday special. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And also, the what? Okay. <laughs> so also, um, also uh, Empire Day is, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, has, has bullied its way into um, the holiday <laughs> that overrides Life Day. Because right. it's the Empire and right. they're jerks. That's what um, But so since you brought up Dash Rendar and his Outrider and the YT-2400. Maybe we can talk yes. a bit about the other ships that are, 
you know, I mean, there's lots of ships, obviously. It'd be impossible to list them all. Well, it'd be impossible. It would take a while to, to list off all of the ships that are made on, uh, on Corellia. But maybe we could right. talk about some of the other ships that, um, that uh, are manufactured on uh, Corellia. That sounds like a fantastic idea. <laughs> and they're on limits. <laughs> yes, they're all on limits. This is a no-holds-barred uh, yeah. episode here. There we go. Corellia. Do, 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 do. Sorry. <laughs> I got that in my head now. <laughs> oh, the power of Phil Collins. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, All right. So why don't you tell us about some of the ships? Yeah. Well, we've got the whole uh, YT series we talked about, right? So we've got the 1300. Yes. Of course, we're familiar with the 2400. Um, and there's plenty of numbers within those. And some of them, like like I said, some of them are canon. Some of them are, are uh, legends. But um, as I was talking about before, where... You know, the Corellia, the CEC was pumping out the the models. They would sometimes make a minor modification and throw out like a 950 versus the 900 and the or the you know the 1000. So they'd make minor modifications and and, and spit them out. And so they'd have um, minor adjustments, like I said, or they they'd add like an extra engine and lose you know 50 percent of their cargo capacity, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other ones I found really interesting on there was the uh, the Imperial Gozanti class cruiser, which is that um, that uh, transport vehicle that they use to transport Tie fighters. Like, so this thing was in you know the the picture had this sort of very nondescript um, like cargo carrier, and under its carriage was like eight Tie fighters attached to it. So that would be the hyperspace jump to bring. Uh, TIE fighters and presumably troops from one sector to another sector of the galaxy, which is really cool. Right, because those versions of TIEs didn't have the uh, hyperdrives. Right, exactly. Yeah. Not until the First Order got their greasy paws on them. <laughs> um, mm, um, yeah, so, and, and also, the Ghost is a CEC uh, vehicle. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I had to verify because I thought it was, but yes, it is it indeed. Is? Okay. So, yeah. So everybody that was wondering that, uh, including and limited to myself, yes, <laughs> uh, that is indeed a CEC vessel. Um, so yeah, yeah. there is that. And so the last one we could talk about. Yes. Which would be the uh, second CEC ship we'd have uh, at Galaxy's Edge. Which would be fantastic. The Halcyon. Mm. That mm-hmm. new hotel opening mm-hmm. up, hopefully in a couple of years, that uh, you know, we'll be uh, selling various body parts and children uh, to be able to attend. But the Halcyon, that yes. uh, Galaxy, cla- Galaxy class cruiser, uh, is based on a model of a cruiser that's built by the CEC. And that's going to be the, uh, the hotel at Galaxy's Edge in Walt Disney World. Uh, which is really cool to think about because you just, you know, right. and everybody thought about it. It was like, oh, the Halcyon, that's cool, but they've gone back enough, far enough with the history. Of course, it's Disney. What do you expect? Right. And have right. figured all that out in the lineage of it, which is fantastic. Yeah, um, and it will be incredibly expensive. I want to throw this out there that I uh, have a blood type of B positive, <laughs> and I have two very well-working kidneys. So... You know, take that uh, for for what it is. Um, yeah. So with the like you had mentioned with the inhabitants <laughs> yes. of uh, Corellia, um, 
they uh, by the time of Solo, um, the empires already dug their claws into it and turned it into a manufacturing planet for the many, many, many vehicles that they needed. Um, so um, many of the people that lived there uh, were oppressed and poor. Mm, and, yeah. um, you know, like you said, if they didn't have uh, the skills or the um, opportunity to get into being a pilot or a shipbuilder, they had to join crime syndicates. Right. And um, it was either that or join the Imperial Navy. <laughs> because getting off world was pretty much out of the question. Yeah, yeah. You were like stuck there unless, you know. And then, of course, what would happen is you'd join the Imperial Navy and end up in some mud planet and all sorts of craziness there. Um, You'll be flying in no time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and, yeah. and hanging out with those Ardinians. Ooh, a John Favreau reference. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. So, um,. Yeah, and uh, they—I heard somewhere that they, when they, when they depicted it on screen in Solo, they modeled the planet after like an industrialized version of Venice, Italy. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But with the waterways, I mean, seems... like you're thinking the waterway sort of thing, or like uh... yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And the architecture and all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just read that. Is this uh, you know. <laughs> Is this uh, pre or post COVID? Because uh, pre post COVID, uh, those waterways are beautiful. <laughs> well, I guess it's pre then. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, um, so uh, you know, we mentioned that that Han was born there, and yes. um, there were um, some other uh, good pilots born there as well. Uh, yeah. Wedge Antilles. Wedge Antilles is from there. That is well, that to think that he comes from there as well makes so much sense because he's such a great pilot as well. And uh, talk about a stalwart of the franchise and uh, there from the start to the end. What a what a great character for sure. And some other somewhat, you know, maybe uh, you know less uh, colorful characters. Um, Looking at you, Dengar. <laughs> exactly. I heard that Simon Pegg wants to play Dengar in The Mandalorian. Has he been cast? Or like, is there some... Oh, he just... Wa- oh, <laughs> I think he my. just wants Would, to. Yeah. <laughs> Let Simon Pegg give it to him. I mean, come on. Yeah, and, it, and they're like, all right, well, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, well, yeah. the rest of Hollywood's going to be in, the, in season two, so why not him, you know? Like, jump on board. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> look, everybody else I know is in it, so why not? <laughs> um, oh man, but uh, yeah, General Maydeen from the Rebellion <sighs> is also from there. Boshek, he's from Corellia, and I don't know if you knew this or not. He's force sensitive. I did not know that. <laughs> but yes, he's also from. And it's funny. I always re- I always saw that character as like a um, when I was young. I would watch as like he looks familiar. Like is, he, is that like Han's brother or something? Because he looks very human amongst all of the. The ragtag creatures and uh, aliens within the cantina. So he always stood yeah. out to me as a as a very specific character. Not that I knew his name was Boshek until you know. Uh, then there's also the Corellian Bloodstripes. Now this is fascinating. Yes. I would mention the Dash Rendar has them, <laughs> but I'm not sure if we can talk about him. So Han Solo <laughs> has Corellian Bloodstripes. Um, now, what do you what do you mean when you say Corellian Bloodstripes? Blood 
when you get cut, you bleed uh, in oh. Karelian. No. Um, <laughs> it's, what it is is um, I think it's one of those like retcon things where it's like Han has these those like dashed stripes on his pants. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. And I don't know why, but that's like a Congressional Medal of Honor ah. to have stripes on your pants. <laughs> Look, I, you know, I'm not going to judge other cultures or anything, but okay. So, um, so it's like, oh, well, you know, Han earned these in Legends. Um, Han earned these for um, uh, exhibiting courage under fire or um, bravery, uh, not like spur of the moment bravery where it's like adrenaline fueled and everything, but just like bravery, pre-planned bravery where like, you know, you're going into a mess, but you're doing it for, you know, valiant reasons and all. And, and so you get stripes on your pants. Is this like a boy scout sort of thing? Like where you, and you know, you, you want yes. to get the campfire patch? I don't know. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. You, you, you go into space it. popcorn and like build tents, I guess. I don't know. Space um, so he's a Falcon Scout though. Oh. Oh. Uh-huh. Falcon. You're welcome. I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he's got them. Um, but then <laughs> at the ceremony on Yavin, Luke also has them. <laughs> and like, so, like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if the, the you know, the wardrobe department was just, like, poorly funded <laughs> or what. But, like, everybody's wearing each other's clothes. <laughs> like, Luke's got Han's Corellian blood stripe pants. The brown ones, though. Right. The yellow stripes. Yeah. Okay, so Han has, like, at least two pairs. Um, so he's wearing those, which I get it because... All he had was like his farm boy stuff and his flight suit, and he's not going to wear that to receive a medal. No. I mean, he's going to clean up a little bit, unlike Han, who's just going to button the top button. Um, but then. He's making an appearance. Yeah, he's like, well, You're lucky I'm here, kid. Where's my medal? You don't have one for my friend here? Um, he owes me a life debt. So, um, it's. It's kind of weird to see, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure, I, I guess, because Luke didn't have fancy clothes. Mm. He didn't have, like, like Sunday church clothes. Right. So, I mean, I, I assume they might be Hans, which it's good that they're the same pant size. Um, no but, <laughs> but then, like, then in The End of Empire, Lando's wearing Hans clothes. So, like... <laughs> I, I don't know if, like, Han's just, uh, I don't know. He's giving out his clothes to everybody. I don't know. He's like the, but, good, he's uh, like the goodwill. Yeah, those are the blood stripes. Yeah. <laughs> it's the goodwill of uh, the galaxy far, far away. Right, yeah. exactly. He's good, Han. So it's... it's um, He's one of the good guys, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a goodwill guy. <laughs> um, so it's bizarre to see that, but that's the story behind those um, in in current legends. Um in canon, Disney's like, oh, I don't know. They look cool. So <laughs> the red stripes. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. So that's what that is. Now, I guess. now, would you would you assume that each stripe represents a different task, or just that you have them? Because 
you know, in for the most part, they are equidistant and go all the way down the pant leg, all the way down to the bottom. So it's either it's an aesthetic thing or you just happen to do the right amount of things just to cover your legs. I don't know. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I know that there's the red ones that Han has on his blue pants. Right. And then there's the yellow <laughs> ones that he has <laughs> on his brown pants. pants. So I don't know if it's like he did two brave things and then got like two different brave things. Like there's like different tiers. Yes. Maybe there's like a green pair for like when you like save the entire galaxy, like Luke gets at the end of Return of the Jedi. I don't know, um, <laughs> but I, I would imagine that the different colors are significant for different um, acts of bravery. I, I guess Very it's good. unclear. It's all muddled up in the canon legends uh, debacle. <laughs> Once uh, you know we've left the. Solo and uh, Clone Wars with some of the mentions of some of the planets, and then you got um, the mention in A New Hope. Uh, Corellia did pop up in uh, Resistance Reborn, which is the uh, one of the books to uh, on the road uh, to Rise of Skywalker, and um, they actually went back to uh, Corellia. Uh, Poe Dameron and Finn and uh, Wedge actually was there. I uh, was part of a submission um, where there was a list sort of like a knock list from, you know, Mission Impossible, but it was like for dissidents and sympathizers and potential rebelli- rebellion sympathizers. And mm. they wanted to purchase that list for um, the purposes of potentially bolstering the uh, the resistance um, uh, ships and, you know, to, to fight the First Order. And they went back mm. to Corellia. Uh, there was this, not only was the one of these sort of nefarious characters at the shipbuilding yards um, was tasked with um, hiding, uh, I think about 14, I think, or 20 of these dissidents, like physical, you know, physically they had to hide them in the, uh, in the shipyards to, uh, you know, keep them under wraps. And one of them was, um, Ransom Costerfo, uh, that character who, um, Leia, of course, was involved with in Bloodline. He was the one who, uh, announced to the galaxy that Darth Vader was her father. So he yes. comes, yeah, so he comes back from Bloodlines. He comes back in this novel. So that was a kind of a cool side thing you t- you hear at the shipyards. So you have a, a literary description of the uh, of Corellia and uh, and the inner workings and and that kind of stuff. So that was kind of cool. So very cool. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. So and then there's the Corellian hounds. Oh yeah, the, those dogs, those crazy dogs that we see in Solo. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yep. Who knew? I didn't Oof. realize they were actually like native to Corellia. Those uh, look pretty nasty. Yeah, they're indigenous, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I guess that's uh, that's that's what we have to say about Corellia. Yeah. I don't know if uh, I think you learned something. I learned something every time we have we have a and podcast. And then I learned something. You did? I think everyone learned something. Would yeah, you... yeah, yeah. Which was about um that guy being force sensitive. Oh, there you go, huh? 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 And I pronounced uh, <laughs> Coruscant properly. Yes, at last. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess um anybody wants to tell us more about Corellia because we love Corellia, then um let us know. Yeah. We're on the socials. Yes, and <laughs> we have a website and we have an email. We so, do. Yes. We absolutely do. Yes. Um, you know, we're uh, conversations.com. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, Facebook.com forward slash conversations. There you go. Keep We've going. got the uh, the Instagrams. <laughs> yeah. And that's <laughs> conversations on that. Yeah. And then um, we took a shortcut on Twitter and we're just at Swations. Yes. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you mentioned earlier the Red 5 uh, network. Yes. So yeah. We got, we got them. Uh, you know, they got our backs. They're watching our six. Yes. And... Um, I guess uh, if you want to tell us uh, more or like correct our erroneous information, <laughs> uh, get a hold of us and let us know. Yes, we'd love we'd love to be corrected. <laughs> yes, well, well, not really. Charles but... loves to be corrected. Yeah. I hate it because <laughs> for me it's interaction, <laughs> social and for gold. Me it displays my inadequacies. <laughs> so anyway, so um, we have some OTQs submitted to us. Um, we do. We do. Um, from the reigning <laughs> trivia champ. <laughs> Trevor Beast. Trevor Beast. One of there our Red 5 Network companions. There you go. Look at that. Hey, Charles, Pat, and the listeners of Conversations. I'm Trevor Beast 454 the curator of the Star Wars subcategory on Sporkle.com, and today I'm thrilled to be answering the OT questions for you all. So let's get started with question number one. What is your fandom origin story? And for me, that was back in 2006 when I was eight years old and my dad sat myself and my brothers down on the couch to watch A New Hope for the first time. And I was immediately mesmerized by the movie, you know, with the amazing characters of Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewie, and Luke needing to destroy the Death Star at the end in order to save the Rebellion. And it was phenomenal. And you know, not too long after my dad showed me the rest of the original trilogy, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and then the first two prequel films uh, did not show Revenge of the Sith because my parents were adamant about me not seeing PG-13 movies until I was 13. But of course, I got around that a few times whenever Spike had their Star Wars weekend marathon, so I made sure to catch Revenge of the Sith on those airings. And, you know, I, I was, you know, blown away by the action, especially as a young kid who wasn't 13 at the time. And then my Star Wars fandom also had a resurgence for sure in 2008 with the Clone Wars movie and TV show as I was really enjoying the the Clone Wars movie. I mean, say what you want about like the animation stuff, but I really liked it and I was blown away to the fact that there was a TV show airing two months later, and I had no idea about it. I just saw it on the guide, and I'm like, the Clone Wars, and it's only half an hour. I'm like, holy crap, what is this? And then that led me to like, oh my gosh, they're making this TV show. And for each episode and stuff, I just got more into it. And with each season, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen now? Like, what's going to happen to Ahsoka and these other characters like Cad Bane or Hondo or Asajj Ventress? Like, that sort of thing. It was, it's incredible. It still is. And wow. So, we'll move on to question number two. How does Star Wars impact your everyday life? And for me, that's whenever I go to Sporkle.com, the trivia quiz website, and I check out the Star Wars subcategory for new high-quality quizzes as my job as curator. And then I also like to see how well the quizzes that I created are doing. It may sound a bit egotistical, but I like seeing which quizzes of mine 
are having relatively higher play counts than normal, you know, be it Star Wars or other topics. And then I can definitely say that Star Wars impacts me and that I wear a Star Wars t-shirt at least once a week. I have zero qualms about telling the world that I'm a big Star Wars fan. And like even for fancy events, I own a couple of Star Wars neckties that I can occasionally wear to those, and that's always fun to do. And while I am a huge fan, I certainly don't love every piece of Star Wars content that has ever been released, but I can have a conversation with any fan and form a sense of respect and connection with them. And through podcasting and social media, I have made at least a few good friends in which our appreciation for Star Wars binds us together, similar to the Force. So question number three, if you could have lunch with anyone from Star Wars, who would it be? What would you talk about? So I choose Dave Filoni, mostly because of how significantly the Clone Wars TV show impacted me as a fan. And without Dave Filoni... The Clone Wars would not be as great as it is. And I know I'd ask him a ton of questions like why we didn't ever see Plo Koon in a lightsaber duel. Or why does the Rebels episode Double Agent Droid actually exist? Or even why the Clone Wars movie doesn't appear on StarWars.com's list of films. Or on the Star Wars movies category on Disney+. Plus, Like... Because the man directed the movie and its canon was theatrically released. I mean, that still grinds my gears that it's not included with the rest of them. Um, So, theoretically, I would have a long lunch and not much eating on my part as there'd be many in-depth questions that I'd have for Dave Filoni. But if I had to choose a Star Wars character to have lunch with, it would be Ahsoka Tano because she has a lovely personality while still being very tenacious at nearly any stage of her life. I mean, it would truly be a memorable meal with or without the Krillian rum, might I add. Um, Not sure exactly what we'd talk about. I mean, depends on her stage in life. But it, it would be memorable as hell. So, Question number four. When you turn off your trivia mind, which movie slash episode is the most enjoyable for you? And for me, that has to be The Empire Strikes Back. It's my all-time favorite movie, and it's so easy for me to turn off the trivia mindset and just be enthralled in the film from start to finish. This movie expanded upon A New Hope in nearly every optimal way, never gets boring or convoluted. And Yoda, he is an incredible character, especially in this movie with how he instructs Luke. Um, but, But, I mean, I'm sure you've heard plenty of people rave about how great Empire Strikes Back is, so I don't just want to copy their remarks but I do want to clarify that other than like the first time I watch a Star Wars movie or episode of a TV show like it's really easy for me to just forget the trivia components and simply focus on the story and who these characters are I mean especially with The Empire Strikes Back but but for the trivia aspects like if I'm interested in a certain aspect trivia wise of a Star Wars movie like I'd fast forward you know skip to the particular scenes that I'm focused on or just pull up the film's transcript you know if it's pertaining to dialogue only sort of things and that will conclude my rendition of the OT questions my thanks goes out to Charles and Pat for allowing me to be a part of this and for you all listeners please check out my Sporkle and Twitter pages 
if your interest in my opinions and contributions has increased at all since I started answering these OT questions. But other than that, you guys have a good day. Thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. All right. Well, that was fantastic. Um, yes. I love the fact that he saw A New Hope first. That's that's really cool of his pet, of his dad to do that. You know, like you can you had the option at that point in two thousand and uh, two thousand and six to see Phantom Menace or um, uh, Attack of the Clones <laughs> at that point. You know, that's but but not the Revenge of the Sith. But, <laughs> that's so classic. <laughs> Even That's though hilarious. I was 13 when I could have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah, he totally, um, you know, thank God for those, uh, you know, May the 4th weekend. Uh, on Spike TV. <laughs> marathons, I guess. <laughs> and great oh, choice, man. too, with Dave Filoni. I, mean, I don't know, you know, be for me, obviously, we talked about before, but him, you know, Dave Filoni or George Lucas would be a great uh, lunch uh, guest. I, I've. I feel like I'd have a different answer every time. Good point. Yeah. Just in hopes that um, you know they all come true in some capacity. <laughs> you know, like uh, you know, like I share a pizza with uh, with somebody uh, ahead of interviewing them or something. I don't know. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, I you know you mentioned the whole um, if with if not for Dave Filoni. Uh, the Clone Wars wouldn't be what it is, which, uh, I mean, is is absolutely true. And it's the last um, the last Star Wars project to have George Lucas's fingerprints on it, which right. is really very cool to to have been able to resurrect that and and finish it the way they wanted to, um, you know, mostly because be, because that's just good Star Wars. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. And I'm glad, you know, he's able to turn off that analytic mind. You know, and we do it as well. Like, we're trying to enjoy a movie for enjoying a movie, you know, and not having to, um, you know, always think about the implications of it or, you know, just try to enjoy a movie. And that's probably why both of you, you know, you and I, and that's the approach we take is that, sure, we could sit there and, and pick apart a movie and plot holes and all those little details, but as a whole, we're going there to be entertained, and that's it's it's hard sometimes, but it's also uh, so you train yourself to maybe is the first time you enjoy it, the second time you look at it, the third third time you analyze it. Who knows? But it's uh, it's good to see that he's able to do that as well, especially coming from a trivia mind. Yeah, and that's that's also why we uh, try and stay away from trailers and spoilers and stuff to um, to keep. Uh, those visuals and those possible plot lines fresh when we go in to see it. Yeah, no, and it makes it uh, not not so much a whole experience, but like an experience that we can ex- you know experience at once versus having pieces of it before. We get it as much as we can fresh, and then we have our you know have our takes of it. So yeah, yeah, and we don't need to be hyped up to go see Star Wars. No, because we're pretty hyped up already. Like I wake up hyped up for Star Wars, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much, uh, Trevor Beast four five four on Twitter. Uh, really appreciate the, those uh, answers to our OTQs and uh, adding to our great list of guests that we've had on. And that about does it. Um, 
Well, since this is an episode about Coralia, yeah. um, I ain't much into hokey religions, kid, but may the force be with you. <laughs> awesome. Now, stay tuned, by the way, for another entry from uh, Volusia Films, our uh, sponsor. They're uh, shoehorning one in at the end here. So, uh, Are they that. really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I got the text a few minutes <laughs> ago. <laughs> This is really a bad decision on our part. We should have read the fine print. Yes. Well, at least one of us should have. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, oof. All right. Well, All right. I guess stay tuned for that. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And now, your host, Dron the Hutt, and his translator, Brevor. Welcome back to the final round of the Bunta E Trivia Classic. Oh, oh, Iswama Ologigrida, Joe Pameron. Piska Bitanki, Niboba Chiblasto, Gif. High kick. Our two contestants, Joe Pameron and Gif High Kick, are tied with 3,720 points each. Jiboska Dumpa Jibachi Maboda, Jibutmalia Sohodruda, Mipatisa Miyadunka Nupa Bunkidongo. We have three questions left. The last one. The hardest will be worth the most points. The winner takes home 17,038 credits. Jibana wafulma John Patoga Chilikmuno. Wama Holtrida Chiblasto. Question one for 500 points. In the most icely cantina, who shot first? Han Solo. Wrong. Gif. Greedo. Both wrong. Ponda Baba fired his blaster nearly four minutes before either of them. <laughs> what? What? This is Bantha Poodoo. Oh, come on. Jibana wafulma John patoga chilikmuno. Question two. For 1,000 points, who was the first person to ignite a lightsaber on the planet of Takodana? Kylo Ren. Damn it. Incorrect. Joe, do you care to answer? Uh, it, it, has, it has to be Finn. Oh, that's right. Mabawonki Goju. Both wrong. It's FN2187. Are, are you kidding me? I said Finn. Ding me chasa opa. Chot We do not recognize frivolous monikers given out by resistance pilots. On to the next question. Ilgi no kili chuba mitpuna hachu puji. Question 3. For 10,000 points, how many people attended the Bunta Eve Classic pod race? What? Wrong. Joe? Uh, um. Oh, this is ridiculous. Uh. 34,638. Wrong. The right answer is 34,636. Huh? Huh? You were quite close, Joe, but Shmi and Anakin Skywalker are not people. 
their slaves. What kind of death sticks have you been smoking? This whole contest sucks. Mac cheese, fasa ta ono kalimalia. What an exciting finish to the Bunta Eve Trivia Classic. Because the two contestants didn't answer any of the final questions properly, the host takes all of the wins. Fear not, the fun will continue. Due to the contestants' ineptitude, they shall become fodder for the mighty Sarlacc in the great pit of Carcoon to the barge. That's not, That's not part of this. Ooh, 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 ooh. Check the contract. A Felucia Films production.